It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a magic marker. A, a felt pen. It's a mistake. It's a trap. It's a fucking comedy. It's quiet. Maybe too quiet. It's all happening. It's a good day to die. It's a good day to talk about movies. Welcome back. It is a good day to talk about dreams of paper and ink. I am your host, Duncan. Joining me as always is Gardner. Welcome back, folks. We got a good one for you today. Hell yeah. Today we are talking to the cast of Dreams of Paper and Ink, a movie we formerly discussed on this podcast. If you're familiar with our old episodes, you'll remember this movie because it was created by filmmaker Glenn Triggs. Glenn has been on this podcast two times already, one time to promote this movie and one time in the past for our fourth episode ever on this podcast. So he's a friend of the program and we love talking about his movies because we love his movies. A quick reminder on this podcast, we talk about movies we love and interview independent filmmakers. Every Friday, we have a full length episode where we interview an independent filmmaker or someone else related with the filmmaking process. Additionally, we have bonus episodes releasing on Wednesdays or Thursdays each week, where we discuss a new movie, a new TV show, or something else relevant. On top of those two episodes, we also have a Monday miniseries going, where we discuss Nostalgia, Memories of Tomorrow, the new short film being created by me and some other people on this podcast. This Thursday, yesterday, we had a bonus episode where we recapped the first season of Moon Knight, the new Disney Plus Marvel TV show. We also had an episode on Monday where we continued our Monday miniseries where, like I said, we discussed the short film that we're creating. On top of all that, we actually also had a Sunday episode this week where we did the Sunday Movie Squad episode which is a once-a-month episode hosted by me, John, and Kari, where we talk about a movie we want to discuss. Our Sunday mini-sode this week was on everything, everywhere, all at once. So if you missed that or any of our other past episodes, be sure to check them out. This is our full-length episode this week where we're talking to the cast of Dreams of Paper and Ink. Next Wednesday, we'll have a bonus episode where we talk about Doctor Strange 2, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We're going to have some guests on for that, including Jalen, so get excited for that. We also have a full-length episode coming out next week where we are interviewing screenwriter Nick Asunto, so get excited for all of those future episodes, but you're already here right now, why don't you get excited for this one right here? So, like I said, we are today discussing the new Australian independent film, Dreams of Paper and Ink, a movie that will be released in Australia this month. We got the chance to talk to the cast after also discussing it with the director slash writer, Glenn Triggs, in the past. So, we were really excited to find a different perspective on the film here. Gardner, I know we both thought this was a great interview. I don't know if you want to give a little bit of a tease before we get into it, but here's your chance. Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but I do want to say that this really was an absolute treat to talk to William and talk to Tamara. Uh, They gave us such great insight on 
the acting side of filmmaking. Um, we've talked to a few actors here on this podcast, but primarily we talk to writers and directors. So it's nice to get that perspective of what it's like on the other side of the camera. And I thought they both really brought their A game. They were so forthcoming and really generous with their time. And I absolutely loved this interview. And I think our audience is going to really enjoy it as well. Oh, yeah, dude, I have to agree with everything you just said. They were amazing. Our audience is definitely going to enjoy it. And speaking of not spoiling things, we didn't spoil anything for the movie because you haven't gotten the chance to see it yet. So if you haven't seen Dreams of Paper and Ink, which all of our U.S. listeners will not have had the chance yet to see it, you don't have to worry about that because we spoiled nada in this interview. We only got you more excited for the movie. That's it. But enough of me talking about it. Let's just get into it right now. Here it is, right now, our interview with William and Tamara. We are joined now by two very special guests, Tamara Lee Bailey and William Servinus from Dreams of Paper and Ink are here today to talk to us about their film. Thanks for being here, guys. Ooh, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> We're really excited. We've obviously talked to the director and creative mind behind the film in the past Glenn Triggs and so we're really excited now to hear from the lead actors perspective on this so thank you again for joining us today like we've already kind of proven on this podcast that we are very into this movie so it's great to get the opportunity to kind of drill down even further into it so excited to be here guys thank you so just to begin would each of you guys mind just telling us a little bit about your acting careers before getting involved in this project? Sure. Tamara, you want to go first? Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I, I, I was just always into filmmaking when I was little, um, but I, I took it more into my stride when I was like 19 and I got into an acting school in Melbourne called VCA and I did three years of actor training there. And there was a lot of Balinese Eastern practices involved. It was very theatre based and theatre making based as well. But I really wanted to do film and there weren't as many filmic opportunities inside the course. So I just sought to seek it out on my own. And it was nice to know that Melbourne was such a thriving city of, of like independent filmmakers and people just wanting to collaborate. So yeah, I did as much as I could to meet new people and yeah just collaborate even if it was free or if it was low budget i was just keen to learn and um yeah just just see what we could make with such a micro budget or something like that so that's how i got into it before i met with glenn and will and we discussed the project um, but i did i did a few short films i did some plays outside of vca but i got most of my grounding and experience and training from the course that I did, the three-year bachelor course at University of Melbourne. What about you, Will? I, yeah, thanks. I started probably a little later than Tamara. I never really did any acting when I was younger. I didn't do anything in, in high school or anything like that. I actually started when I was about 25 and I sort of just felt like I was a little bit behind the eight ball. So I, I just wanted to jump straight into a, a course and I did a one-year course at a, a school called Howard Fine Acting Studio in Australia. So he's got a, a school in LA, which I think opened first. And then he opened 
in collaboration with some, some people over here, opened the school in, I think it was 2012. Um, so I studied there in 2017 and that was kind of the first thing I ever did, which I think is just to kind of give you the, or give yourself like permission to say like, this is what I am now, this is what I'm gonna do now. And then from there, I just tried to find through my own means and, and you know, through connections just to try and find short films or whatever it was, try and find independent filmmakers in Melbourne. And yeah, through one of those avenues, Glenn contacted me and that's how I got involved in Dreams of Paper and Ink. So for both of you, was this your first experience with a feature length film? Yeah, it was my, I think it was definitely the first one I've, I've made. Um, I think there was another one that was, that didn't end up happening as I'm sure a lot of them don't, but there was another one that I was sort of working on before this one, but yeah, first one that I made. Yeah, same goes for me. There was one that I was working on, on my, in my first year of uni and I was like 19 and um, yeah, it's a long way back, but it still hasn't been fully released. And I'm kind of like, oh, if it does, <laughs> because <laughs> it was, yeah, it's, um, yeah. But this one I was really proud of. And I want to see that was, film tomorrow. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm proud of the team that was involved, but it's just such a, you know, you grow so much, even just in a few years. And sometimes it's really hard to look look back and be like oh but it's also a good thing to see that you have developed in some way hopefully tomorrow you mentioned something that was new to me you talked about Balinese acting practices and I'm that's just not something I'm familiar with so can you explain that a little bit more yeah it's it's one thing that um, VCA did really well in terms of integrating completely different practices that are depart from classical traditional structures in in institutions it's basically so we went we went to Bali and we actually got a lot of the training there but we had um, someone come in and his name was Dibia and he just brought with him a lot of masks and so we put them on and basically you have to use your body to tell the story and so it was a lot all about physical embodiment and how important that is in theatre especially, but it's so important in film as well, just in terms of behaviour, body language. Um, so yeah, it taught me a lot about like grounding the body. And um, we also did, it was great for techniques in voice because we we did what's called ketchak, which is like a chanting. It's like chak, 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 and it's like its own musical rhythm. So I think it was just, it was great to have that, which was so depart from like, you know, William Shakespeare doing a lot of um, other different vocal techniques, which is still great to use, but just something so different and which was connected to, almost connected to my culture too, which is Filipino. And so to just tap into, you know, Asian practices felt true to my body, um, which is just what's changing in the industry as well with diversity. um, And it's making diverse actors feel more a part of the experience. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That was that was a great answer. I also didn't know about that practice, so I thank you for enlightening us and our listeners about that. That's amazing. No worries. Yeah, I think they're still doing it, but um, 
Yeah, it's it is good. There is different. There is European practices that they brought in for the other stream and that BCA as well. But um, yeah, it was good to have that one as a change. So both of you mentioned your careers, obviously up to Dreams of Paper and Ink, and kind of reference meeting with Gwen at the end of that, because you know obviously that's the end of the journey of that question was you know up to Dreams of Paper and Ink. So can you now tell us a little bit about what? the pitch was to you when you were asked to come aboard or when you were looking at this, you know, this movie and also what was your reaction or your first reaction when you learned the film would feature no dialogue? It was, um, he, he found me on a platform that I, it was, it was like a casting networks kind of platform. Um, I can't even remember. It was, it was a couple of years back before we actually made the film because I think he was still in the process of developing the story but he did have like a formulated story but it was with a completely different title and, and stuff like that but he what kind of got me also interested was the actor's contribution he was like I do want this to to be a collaborative experience in terms of the story and and building that so I was like oh this is actually really cool because I can I can have a voice in this um, even though it's without dialogue, it's like, it's something to make us feel really a part of these characters. So he just, he was, it's just really, uh, just a message. It was just a casual message. And I was like, oh, the, like, he was just very confident in doing so. And I was just like, that's great. Yeah, let's, I think we had a, what was our first meeting of it? I think it was just a phone call and I was in the Central Coast and um, I was just at my Nana and Pops and I was like, oh, this sounds exciting because <laughs> I hadn't worked on a feature film for a while. And um, yeah, I was just keen to do something in Melbourne and it be like, you know, very flexible in terms of what I was up to in, in any of my other projects. He was really willing to work around that and just kind of like, be low key about it and shoot where we could and really utilize, be practical about utilizing the city that we had and, and the spaces that he knew of. And I was just like, this is great. This is what filmmaking is all about. Um, so that's how I got interested in it. And, um, and then, yeah, just already being attached to the project. Then we, we did some chemistry tests with actors and, uh, and we met Will and, um, Will just was like, just honestly just felt so natural and just like had this presence immediately and I felt I just personally felt like that was someone that I really wanted to work with and Glenn was um yeah he he like had some people on board who looked at some of the other self-tapes that we had chemistries with with the other actors and everyone was just saying oh it's Will because he's just he had this certain bond with me but also just like portray the part of 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 that character more fully so um yeah that's how it how it happened for me what about you will how was the experience yeah i'm trying to remember throw cast my mind back to when it when it all happened because i think it was towards the end of 2019 that we first that glenn first got in touch with us about it and obviously we made it, it all happened very fast. Like, you know, went from a, a message on this, the casting website, this particular casting website, um, I won't say the name of it, but it can be quite hit and miss depending on, 
depending on who's contacting you. So you never know quite what you're going to get. But I think Glenn's obviously he's he's so experienced in what he does and he is such a nice guy that when he writes to you, you know, instantly you kind of get this this good feeling about it. And I think I think that he even maybe he didn't share the script in in his first message but he shared the script really early on which is always a good sign if someone's actually willing to like go here here it is like here's what we're making and he did that and i think the thing that i remember most clearly is just really liking the script i think with the no dialogue thing i don't really i, I feel like that was something i i was aware of from the start like glenn was really open with the fact that it had no dialogue and so it wasn't like i was you know excited about making this film and then Glenn was like oh by the way it's got no dialogue it was just like something that came hand in hand you know with the film but yeah it was reading the script for me was the thing where I just thought yeah this sounds this sounds like something I want to make and and then I caught the train Glenn lives in Pakenham in Melbourne which is not particularly close to where I live and I caught the train I think it was like an hour and a half train ride to get out there and um uh Glenn and Tamara both met me at the train station and yeah that was for the, the chemistry test that Tamara was talking about and I think instantly I saw Tamara from the from the platform and I thought there's there's Tamara that must be Tamara and there's Glenn and I think I even just seeing Tamara she's got such a like beautiful positive vibe about her that I just instantly saw her and was like from from then on like through to the chemistry test I think it all just it just kind of aligned really perfectly and, and how long was it from that first meeting to when you started filming? That's a good question. I, I can't remember when, I think it was towards the end of 2019. I would say like, yeah, no more than like four months. Yeah, I think it was a few months. It might've been yeah. two and a half or three months, maybe two and, yeah. a half, two and a half for me where we just did smaller um, scenes and we'd, yeah, just shoot on a street well, like a suburban street with like the trees it was just um any chance that we got with timing and scheduling and stuff like that mm. yeah because from talking to glenn it sounded like it was kind of a whirlwind um particularly with the actual filming of it right because it was about it was about two weeks two and a half weeks to shoot the entire film yeah yeah the actual shooting was really really quick like definitely in the lead up to it, we, we had like time for a few rehearsals and things like that. But once we figured out when we were going to do the shooting and we got those dates, it was just like, yeah, two and a half weeks. And then yeah. obviously, like Tamara said, there was some shooting before and after that, like some pickups that we had to do later and some stuff that we did like separately. But in terms of having the full cast there of, of three or whatever it is, yeah, um, yeah that was like, a very very short amount of time yeah but it was a great experience just being you know in that um it was at an airbnb but it was yeah. just all of us you know for the week that it was i think it was a week entire for was it five days or a week i i, I think, think in phil we filmed it in phillip island um like a, yeah. a coastal town just outside of melbourne here and yeah i think that in the Airbnb was a week, but it was a really nice time. It was almost like this little holiday that we we're on together. Yeah. 
good. but we just made a film while we were there yeah yeah so fun so good so what would you say was the easiest part of filming this movie i think just like i think it was really to do with glenn like how he just was so natural about the filmmaking process he was just like yeah, I think actually that looks really good over there. That that might work mm. with his <laughs> He was just so improvisational and it just made it so flexible and you just wanted to be like, yeah, let's try it out because he's just he's just so um he's got this he's just so excited and passionate and you just kind of want to ride that wave with him. And so, yeah, in in that Airbnb when we were venturing around, he'd be like, this is this is great and he he'd know kind of because of the timing of the day to shoot at a particular time and you just yeah you just wanted to ride with him because he was he was so passionate and um just flexible you it just made it so easy for us to just to do that with him what about for you will yeah i, th I think i agree i think like i remember having a conversation early on with glenn like about like the camera he was using and this kind of stuff and he one of his priorities was to just make it like as easy on himself as he could because he had such a small crew. Like he had no crew basically. I think we had um, like Phil there for a while and sound for a few days. But yeah, he, he, I always have this joke that like if you were to watch us making this film from a distance, it would look like we we're making like a, a vlog or something. And then <laughs> on the other side of it, it's like this incredible film that Glenn yes. managed to create, yeah. you know? Um, like he's just, he had a, like a, obviously an amazing camera, like the things that it can do, but he just had like an A7S three or something, you know, which is like a, a full frame mirrorless camera. And yeah, he, I think that was that was the the easiest thing. The way Glenn was just able to, through his through his experience of making so many films, obviously was just like had this had this knowledge to be able to just do everything himself almost. You know, speaking of that, working working with Glenn and and having a limited crew, both of you had worked on on short films before and on stage. How would you compare the experience of making Dreams of Paper and Ink to the other things that you've done in your acting career? Like, did that really, really small environment help a lot, you think? Yeah, I think so. Because it was like we could focus in on some of the more emotional scenes just together in such a tight-knit way, just with if it was just me, Glenn and Will, or if Neil was there as well. It was just the four of us and yeah, it just made it just made it feel so much more personal because we were having this we communicated this shared vision. It really did feel like it became easier for particularly for what we wanted to do. But he also has such a community of people. I feel like just through his friends and his family he was able to make the experience feel like it was fulsome and whole without having every technical person for the job. They, they just all made it work because everyone was just really warm and accommodating and just everyone wanted to, uh, this, it's, it was this, a sense of community that just like naturally happened just because of Glenn's connections um, as a person. I don't know how to explain it, but that's how it felt.
I, th- I think for me, like if I hadn't really done that much, like obviously it was my first, first feature length film. I don't think it was what I, it certainly wasn't what I expected from my first feature length film. I thought it would be like, obviously like a bigger, I didn't, I didn't really know you could make a feature length film with, with such a small crew. You know, I think that was the, that was the thing that sort of amazed me the most, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, yeah, having, having such a small crew made it made, yeah, like, like Tamara said, it made scenes, certain scenes so much easier. It was just like, you didn't have to wait around for, for, you know, whoever it was for like sound or for camera or for anything. It was just like, Glenn was like, all right, we're good to go. And we could just do everything like instantly, you know? Mm. Um, So I think it made a lot of those emotional scenes, like you said, a bit easier because mm. when you're ready Glenn's already good to go yeah and almost like he could focus on the directional part of it as well just like what sort of thoughts he wanted to feed into the actors for for the story mm. um, really good yeah yeah it wasn't there wasn't it was all focused on the actual filmmaking or mm. you know it was focused on us it wasn't focused on all the technical things that happening on on some sets yeah and you guys have mentioned the flexibility and the ability to listen to the people around him from glenn and his willingness to try a new shot for example on the day if he sees something that looks good which i think i love and i think it shows in his filmmaking and in this movie in particular that i think there are probably certain shots that you get because you're doing things like that but Mm. i was wondering not to go on too much of a tangent just about how much I, I love the shots in the film and everything but I was wondering if that flexibility also seeped at all into the storytelling as like would you come up with things on the day of that might affect the broader story not necessarily like overarching it you know it changed it completely but were there like maybe small details that came from you guys for example I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I, I feel like the script from like what I remember reading initially is pretty much what we created. It's pretty much what I visualized when I read the script, which is obviously a testament to, to like Glenn executing what he had in mind. There was like little things. I think Glenn and I had a conversation at one point about Wade not having any friends in the film. Like we never saw... Wade interacting with anyone except for like I would like you know be alone at work and then I would like I don't know I just yeah there was no moments that I had any sort of interaction with friends and Glenn was like we were like yeah okay maybe we should try and put something in there so we just added in this I think it was a couple of scenes where I'm like playing basketball with my mates I just like called some of my friends up who play basketball and I said can you guys come down like meet us at the park one day and we're gonna shoot this scene for this film and they were like yeah okay so we just we just did that it was like I think there's little things like that that ordinarily maybe wouldn't happen in another film but it was it because it was yeah just more flexible in that way I suppose yeah yeah exactly I think um There was only some part, exactly what Will said though, of whatever he wrote 
he was able to execute really seamlessly. There was only some parts where we might be eating dinner just as Will and Tamara, mm, and then yeah. we'd be like, actually, this is this is actually, <laughs> can we just shoot this? <laughs> and we'll be eating pizza, and we're like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> you had to be, you had to be sort of flexible, you know, you had to, yeah, just <laughs> explain yeah, it. Yeah, there was definitely a couple of moments I spotted in there. I was like, that we were, we were rolling then? I didn't realize. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> but he he would he would say to us like you know consent but um yeah it's it's good that you have to to work with glenn i think he was looking for people that were flexible and wanted to work with on impromptu sort of stuff it's it sounds like the kind of um naturalism of of the world and the characters was very important while you were making the film i have a question for you in particular will did you work with Neil to help portray like a younger version of him? You know, what was that process like being on set with him, but also portraying a younger version? To be honest, we actually didn't do too much. I remember during rehearsals, like I had a couple of chats with Neil and we sort of like spoke about it a little bit, but yeah, we didn't actually do too much work together in like trying to trying to like create this this like older and younger version of of the character. Obviously it was like something that was in in the back of my head a little bit. I think I would watch I would just watch Neil and I mean maybe like sort of subconsciously try and like emulate some of some of the his um mannerisms or whatever it was. And I think Neil did the same thing as well. I think he watched me too. So yeah, that was that was pretty much it it was kind of like you were both copying each other in little ways without even realizing it yeah perhaps i think we just tried to pay attention to each other like i think we just tried to pay attention to to just the small things and but there was nothing really deliberate or planned with it yeah i often saw them bonding really well just together because we had that time staying away together i would just see them and they would they would just be bonding really well. And, and maybe you just you got a lot from that or just naturally. Yeah, we had we had like conversations about like Neil when he was younger and I, like, mm. you know, even now, like the things that, that he does, he does like a lot of woodwork and builds guitars and all this kind of stuff. So I think we just tried to bond a little bit and, and form that relationship. It was kind of similar with, with me and you. We didn't really do too much work on our like relationship or anything we just kind of went in there and, Got and uh, figured it out along the way I think it was like I think it was the, the most important thing was trying to find I think for Glenn was trying to find the people the right people that that fit together sort of instantly so it was going to work you know from from the outset it wasn't something that he needed to try and um, mold or manufacture too much. It was just about the connection we all had with each other. And then it kind of, it worked from there. That's interesting. That's exactly what I was going to say as a follow-up was that I think it comes through in the fact that you're not forcing it maybe, mm. and it's just there already. And that's probably speaks to why when you're talking about the chemistry tests that were going on, why will, you know, you were picked there because like, that chemistry was obviously there from the beginning and obviously you do a great job of portraying the character 
in general, you know, not just in scenes, you know, with Tamara, but I do think that that chemistry obviously is just there. And I think it speaks to not only you guys, but also, you know, like you said, Glenn's casting abilities. We've talked about, I mean, I love this film. I know that all the audiences that are going to get to see it are going to absolutely love it. I can't wait to share it with the um, US audiences as soon as we can. But I've been gushing about it. I know we've been talking about all the good aspects of it. What was the hardest part? Not necessarily a bad thing, obviously, but what was the hardest thing that you had to do? Or maybe you even like feel like you learned from it and have gotten, you know, better as an actor from it potentially. But like what it all seems so easy right now. Was there anything that that kind of stuck out as like being hard? Not easy in the sense that I'm saying, oh, your job was easy, but that the filmmaking process, like we were saying, naturalistic. Of course. It was very you know what I mean? Like um just very like a good process to be involved in kind of. Yeah. For me, the challenging parts, and I'm still learning as well, is just some of the emotional scenes. And especially when you're, you know, with filming, it's always like you're you're going from the back end sometimes and you're, you're shooting a scene at the very end or mm. something like that. I remember initially starting with, um, who, what, what did I do? I was just doing an emotional scene of the wedding scene. And um, yeah, it was just, going into that place it immediately was it was difficult and then i think i started i, I was already being i was already emotional after he, he after he was filming and he's like every time i start like come up to you you're like it's off it's you i don't know how to explain it i was i, I wouldn't be there but then when i'm off you you're there and i think it's just that thing of like yeah, I, I just was like still acclimatizing to a camera being there and just letting it be there and allowing it to all come out. But that's just like what we have to do as actors and, and accept that that's the vulnerability that it takes. And just on that film, I think I learnt it then and was able to like bring that with me to future projects. So that was like, a I think, a pivotal point for me in terms of my acting and career. But um yeah, just allowing us that space to go to some of those places, regardless of not having dialogue. And, you know, even for um, Kina's character, like, some of it is not fully fleshed out. So having to find that on my own and journal, I had to do a lot of journaling just to piece together what her, what her trajectory of her life was beyond meeting um, Will's character, like, just what what that was um so yeah i think it was just a lot of development for me that i had to do and i i learned a lot from just doing that film yeah i think i probably agree with samaya on that i think um i think because like a lot of the time it was so it did feel so easy and we were having such a good time so often that when it came time to some of the more emotional scenes it was like it was like a, a switch you know and yeah there, there's one scene the, the big breakup scene it was probably yeah the most challenging for me and I remember I spoke to Glenn about it I was like nervous about it and I was worried about because I wanted to get I wanted to portray the right emotion I wanted to to, to sort of um get the scene to the point that it needed to be at because that scene needed to be at a certain point and 
Glenn was, as always, very understanding and was, he played me this song and I remember, I think we listened to this song and he picked the right song, I'll say that much, because instantly all those emotions came up and I knew I was ready to do the scene and and we I think we did it in one take and, and that was it. Um, but yeah, probably if I was to pinpoint a moment that was the most difficult, it was definitely that. Yeah. Oh, I, a lot of, as well, onto that, music was a huge help for just the mm. character for me as well. I created a playlist for Kina and just like what, you know, throughout the film, what this moment is in, in a song and just from my own bank of music, but then also like venturing in different other lanes that were on the same genre and same path as Dreams of Paper and Ink. But it's also the people around you, like Matt, who I did the marriage scene when she grows up with. He was just the support that he had. And he's, he's um, I don't know, he just has, he's just so grounded. And just him being with me in that space um, was so helpful, but all the people around at that time. And then Will in our scene, like he just went there straight away with the, with the after listening to the song. And I think just knowing that we have each other and we're both supporting each other in that vulnerable time is was really helpful hmm. i'm so glad you brought that up because i actually had a question about the music uh because it's such a big motif in the film and i was going to ask you for a little more specifics did you did you have like particular songs particular albums particular artists that you listened to to prepare you to get into character or, or anything like that Will, do you want to start? Because I think I have a, um, yeah, I've got my little Kena Dreams. Oh, and nice. It's my playlist. Yeah. Cool. It has a bit of Matt Corby in it. Hold on. Um, and Solange, FKA Twigs. It's got Judy Garland over the rainbow in there. I'm not sure why. I think, I don't, um, I think maybe for the romantic side of the film, I wanted I wanted to have that element in there. Um, Led Zeppelin was in there for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I think because they're journeying and there's just like, there was a lot of that for me, but they were all really sort of chill, journeying type songs in, in my mind. That's how I compartmentalized it. But music helped me so much because obviously there's no, dialogue but the feeling of it is what we have and we can't create a lot physically apart from like what when you're doing wide angle shots so it has to be the the thoughts that you're feeding yourself for such a you know for those really tight shots I think Glenn made a, a playlist like he had the music I think he had the music he wanted for the film very early on uh, and I think he made a playlist that he sent out to us Yes, um, he did. Here it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. Yeah, yeah. Are these are these public on Spotify? Can we link these in the podcast I description? I think so. Yeah, we can. I, I'm sure we can make them public. We'll talk to that Glenn. Little icon that says it's public, so I could even send that over to you now. But that would yes. be sick. Yeah, you sure guys okay have it. Us. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's got a bit of Kena Granis, Blanco White, which is was one of them. I think one of the artists in here are one of the artists that he wanted to work with slash was able to get into the film. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was great inspiration and gave us the feeling of what the film would be so that we could lean into that. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm so glad that we got into it. Just like Gardner said, I'm really glad that we got into the music of it and that we got to get some insight into the playlist. I like a playlist that's kind of got no limitations on where it can go. And that feels like that kind of playlist that you got going there. So that's very <laughs> cool. He also just was so interested in collaborating with independent indie artists in, in Australia. He was like, he was down to listen to some of my sister's stuff. My sister's a musician too. She's like, she's got her own band now, which is called Largo. But prior to that, she was doing her own musical venture. Um, and she has like, yeah, um, some songs on Spotify just under the name Mel Bailey. And so he used some of those song songs and incorporated them in the film. And for me, they worked really well because I was like to my sis, I think some of these are actually for cinema. They're quite cinematic songs. So um, yeah, it worked really well. And it's just great that Glenn's got that. Yeah, he's just so open to to want to explore different genres. I did want to follow up on, and this is maybe a little bit of a weirder question, I guess, but I wanted to follow up on my question about your the difficulties or what the challenges were when making this, because Listeners of our podcast, and I hate to make this a little bit about myself right now, but listeners of this podcast will know that I'm actually working on a short film with no dialogue right now. I was inspired by Glenn to do a short film with no dialogue. And we've noticed that, like, if you're not having a real conversation, it can look very fake in a shot, even if you don't hear it, right? So I was curious as to whether there was any dialogue that actually was written for you guys to talk to each other. Like, I'm picturing the fireside um scene where i know that there's other actors in that as well that you guys are interacting with but there's like were there things that you were told to say to each other or are you guys kind of just ad-libbing it because that's very interesting to me how that's accomplished yeah so true um it's great that we had those those actors like Sorsha and chris that were just like yeah we did a lot of banter and it wasn't specific to this the, the script um it was just improv uh, just to feel out what a party atmosphere or gathering would feel like. Um, so we were just our, kind of ourselves and just made our, each other feel um, comfortable. But beyond that, for other scenes, we were okay to just be without dialogue and just have our own little thing. But then when we knew that Glenn wanted to start rolling, we kind of just sat into it. And because there was a limited crew, it just really made it possible to be able to sit with it without dialogue. There were some, I, I do feel like there were some maybe not a sort of awkward moments where we were like, what is this? What is this feeling? But we kind of just leaned into it. We were like, this probably is what the stages of love or being in a relationship feels like of like, what do you say to someone? Like it can be, it can feel really awkward and uncomfortable. And then you kind of melt into it and just let your body language tell the story. Um, so that's kind of what what I felt like came out. <laughs> yeah, I really liked those, watching the film, I really enjoyed those scenes like around the fireplace and around the um, well, the party scene, I think, because it essentially it was just people talking. Yeah, there was nothing scripted for that. And you're right, it is, there, there so often is a, such a big difference between um, scripted conversation, even from a distance, and even when you can't hear what they're saying, to genuine, real conversation, which is obviously what we 
endeavor to recreate as actors but it's yeah it, it, it there's no dialogue in it but there's moments of conversation you know which is yeah it, I, I really liked watching those scenes back i'll say that as a viewer it definitely works. I hope that when I was asking that question, I was making it clear that it does work in your guys' film and you clearly yeah. were nailing that, you know, organic stuff. And I think it just, again, it kind of traces back to what we're talking about, the whole vibe of the way this film was made and the, like I said, it's, it sounded like a good environment. And mm. it's it's like all of this is, you know, the um, the connections were there. You guys had the chemistry, obviously. And then things like the little things like that which i think can make or break the the like certain aspects of a film like if it really is going to connect with you the film mm. can be good but is it really going to connect like this one does and i think it's because of all those smaller technical aspects and i just you know yeah. i guess not necessarily a question here but i just wanted to say that i do think that like top to bottom i really couldn't think of something that you know wasn't done very well in this movie so i just you know very well done for the, like everyone involved in this just amazing oh thank you thank you i can't wait to hear about what your film is about now you're sure <laughs> thank you yeah i uh I, I would love to share with you guys that, um when it when it's finished just you know because you know i was obviously like super inspired by you guys like i totally ripped glenn's idea when when i was i was driving home from work one day and i was like what if i just what if i made it with no dialogue i was like that could be fun so yeah, yeah. i totally yeah i've been messaging him about it as well it's it's a lot of fun you know just getting to connect with filmmakers actors crew members all these interviews that we've done like you learn so much and i know mm -hmm. that i our listeners and us as hosts have just gotten so much knowledge from you guys um and everyone that we've talked to gardner i I want to ask about um, what's what's next for everyone, but I wanted to make sure that I don't jump ahead um, in front of any of your questions. I wanted to ask, before we get to that, I wanted to ask about, because I have tremendous anxiety when I, when I show someone something I've made. You know, I'm one of those people, like, um, I think Adam Driver famously, like, leaves the audience when he's, like, in a screening of, of something that he's in. And I was curious if you guys have have gone to any screenings yet and and kind of seen the audience reactions and what that experience has been like for you. Because I know some people love it and thrive on it. I'm not one of those people, but I'm curious for you. Have you gone to any screenings yet? And, and what have the audience reactions been so far? And just how great is that feeling? Yeah, I've only ever been to like showcase screenings where they show a bunch of short films together. Um, so I, I kind of feel like the focus is not really uh, on, you know, your film or your acting or whatever specifically. It's it's kind of like everyone's there to see everything generally. But we, yeah, we've got the screening for this coming up here in Melbourne in like a few weeks, three weeks or something. Um, and that is just going to be this one. And I am a little bit nervous about it to see like how people react like if they laugh at the right moments and um all that kind of stuff i don't think i'm gonna leave the cinema because i really want to see what people think of it um <laughs> but yeah i'm definitely nervous about it yeah i'm so devastated i i can't be there because i'm i'm in the play at the moment and it's the same night as the screaming as the screening and i'm like no 
but I used to be that kind that would um, after shows and especially if I didn't didn't feel good about my performance it's very selfish I think to leave but I, I would sometimes refrain from going out and even if I knew sometimes I knew that friends were going to be there but they were supporting other people as well as me and I would refrain from going out because I got really anxious so I just like I've gotten better at being like, no, they're here to support you, regardless of you, if you think you were shit, just be there because they were there. They, you're, I got a quote from, I mean, like one of the directors that I've worked with in the past. And when the audience, when the actors bow, they're actually bowing to be like, thank you for <laughs> sitting and enduring this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I, that actually really helped because I was like, yeah, because it can be a lot about like, oh, it's all about you. And, and sometimes that just feels like a bit naff. So it's like, no, thank you for sitting through that. And so I, I'm really trying to force myself now to be like, no, these people are here to support um, regardless if you were shit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of where I've got to. But, yeah, I was quite anxious in the um, early phases of my acting career. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I think it is about saying thank you to them for, for yeah. coming and supporting you and being a part of it yeah 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 absolutely little perspective change you know maybe a shot of whiskey beforehand to calm the nerves <laughs> <laughs> and then you get where you need to be i like that So obviously we've been focusing on dreams of paper and ink because we're really excited to talk about it we are excited for audiences to see it. I know you guys are probably even more excited than we are, but I can't wait to like talk to other people who have seen it and you know share that experience because I think it's one of those films that not only is fun to just watch and enjoyable to watch, but is enjoyable to talk about as well afterwards. Like I know me and Gardner definitely, you know, had our own little discussion, delved into what we thought about it, what we got from it, what you know we what we thought it was really accomplishing and stuff like that. And I think that we talked to Glenn about, you know, there being different, also different things you can pull from it. So great, all of that, like we, we, we love it and we, we love that we got to talk to you guys for so long about it. What else are you guys working on? What's on the horizon for you guys? I know Tamara, you mentioned that you're in a play now, which is awesome. So is there other things that you would like to tell the audience about that you're working on now that you're excited to share as well? Yeah, I'm currently just, we just had our dress rehearsal of um, the play last night. So I'm doing at the moment, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It's um, the, yeah, it's a reimagining of the part one and part two version. So there was a two part version of Harry Potter, which was five and a half hours long, playing in Melbourne, playing in London, um, San Francisco, Tokyo, um, Germany as well. Um, but they've reimagined it so it's shorter. It's still quite long. It's three and a half hours still, but it's, it, you, I think with all the magic that goes on in the show, it's, it's worth seeing. And it's, I think it's more accessible now because the, the tickets are cheaper um, instead of seeing, paying for one part, part one versus paying for oh, the whole show. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to be a part of the production because I'm I'm playing I'm a swing in the show. So I basically, um, I've got a regular role for every day, but when someone's off, one of the primary actors is off for the main roles like 
Rose Granger Weasley, um, Delphi, Mert Moaning Myrtle, Polly Chapman. I'm not sure if any of these names are familiar to any of you, but um, then I'll go on for them. Uh, so yeah, it's I'm learning a lot right now because I'm having to cover like seven actors. Um, and if someone goes down, which is obviously clear, like very possible with COVID and everything, then I'll cover for them. But otherwise my role in the show is quite small, but um, it's just huge. This has always been a dream to go on to like a main stage production and see everything that goes on behind the scenes and just what's required as an actor to, to be at show level um, and match fit for, for what we have to do. But um, yeah, that's something that's great has that has come out of COVID because prior to, after I graduated, it was so, it was dire. Like it was very, yeah, it was two years or a year and a half, maybe two um, of just no work. And it was basically me just trying to create whatever, I, well, not whatever I could, but work on myself and work on what I wanted to do creatively. And I was writing and I was doing a little bit of film, some short film pieces, but all of my own creation. So it was good in a way, but I was like, oh, I want to work. It's yeah, it was, it was hard. So that was a, a very good thing that came out of it. Yeah, I think for me, um, the, the, that COVID uh, um, sort of did have a massive effect. Um, it's been, I think, two years now, um, about just over two years since it's probably been, I don't know what it's been like for you guys, obviously living in different cities, but yeah, definitely for us, we had some, in, I've been in Melbourne the whole time, so we've had some really severe, severe lockdowns. Um, and yeah, just kind of put everything on hold and anything that was kind of happening wasn't happening anymore. But yeah, I think like Tamara said, I've just been trying to work on whatever I can with, with regards to like, you know, myself and, and my own acting and things like that. But yeah, it's just starting to open up here again in Melbourne. So hopefully it keeps heading in the, that direction. And if it doesn't, I, I don't know, maybe it's time for a a change of city for me or something like that <laughs> well we've got our fingers crossed for you well yeah thanks so much <laughs> uh tomorrow do you want to to any of our australian listeners do you want to give uh some details about the show so they can go check it out oh yeah sure so it's um 19 years after um the last movie um so obviously they have kids so harry potter has and Ginny have um, two children, actually four children, but only two children are shown. Um, and Ron and Hermione have a child and I play that child. Um, I also play a character which can't be named, but it's the villain in, in the show. Um, yeah, because it's, I'll, I'll reveal too much of the show, but basically <laughs> the, <laughs> the opening starts on the 19th of May and I've my, I'm contracted for a whole year. So I'm here in Melbourne performing for the whole year until I think it's March 23, but we'll find out by November if the show is a success, if it will go on further. Cause it's already been in Melbourne for um, two and a half years or maybe three, I think. So um, it's been a success, but what they noticed in the Broadway version was that, um, yeah, they weren't getting as many people coming to see the show as opposed to the um, 
the Harry Potter show in London, um, people it was just more accessible and it cost less to see it in London than in um, New York. So they decided to condense it and they've decided to do the same for the Australian version. So the UK director who um, built the story with JK Rowling um, has come to Australia and is shaping that reimagining with us. Um, and I'm very new to the show, whereas other people have been there for a number of years. So I'm learning so much, so much is on in my head right now. But um, it's definitely worth seeing. I think it's 155 to 210 a ticket. So it's it's not cheap, but um, it's it's a feat of a show. Like, and it's what theatre I think does best um, mm. because it's got all the elements involved and it's not just the people on stage, there's hundreds of, of people out back. And I guess with any big main stage show, that's what you expect. But I'm, I'm pretty baffled because there's an illusions team, there's like the mechanists team, there's, oh, it's so much, but it's uh -huh. just great to see the whole, um, yeah, machinations of what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see it back in early 2020 and it is quite, oh. I saw all, I think, five hours or something of it um, <laughs> when it was that long. But oh. it was incredible. I don't think there was a minute that I was, I was feeling like I, I couldn't stay any longer, you know, but it was exhausting by the end of it. So maybe maybe condensing it was a good idea, but it was it's definitely an incredible show. Oh, wow. I didn't know that yet. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even seen it. That's why I was even just being in the rehearsal process i'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are things that like blow your mind like how did they yeah. do that it's incredible yeah 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 but it is it is good the only difference is that they don't say voldemort with a t they say oh voldemort. yeah of course yeah and i was, was... I'm really confused but i shouldn't be yeah it's an amazing show <laughs> i agree I that was off for me for sure <laughs> <laughs> it's just a point of difference that they wanted for this sort of new universe of what Harry Potter is. Mm. So yeah, I, that makes sense. But yeah, I was definitely like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of your guys' careers and making your own things, like you guys both have said, um, is that writing stuff and filming it yourself or what does that look like when you're creating your own stuff? Because that's really interesting to me. I, love, I mean, obviously, as someone who's trying to do something similar, I am very interested as what that looks like for you guys. I think like when you're when you're working in a in a particular field, like with filmmaking or acting, whatever it is, any part, any particular part of that, like helps you with another part. So if you if you want to do acting and you were to to I don't know cast a film or something like that that would help you with your auditions, you know, because you've worked on the other side of it and you see. So I think that works with any 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 particular part of filmmaking. Like if you work on writing, it's going to help you with your acting or if you work on whatever it is, it's going to help you. So, yeah, for me, I, I think writing is the thing that I'm attracted to most at the moment. And, yeah, I think it, it gets you thinking like really in depth about creating a character and that's what you have to do when you're playing a character as well but having to actually go through the process of like writing literally writing this character from the ground up it it really teaches you like 
a whole new or like takes you to a whole new level of, of what that's like so I feel like writing for me is the thing that that yeah teaches me the most at the moment anyway yeah yeah for me it just it just made me narrow in on like oh all this stuff regardless of if I'm getting work it's keeping me sharp at just creating and you you kind of just need to delve into other avenues in order to be of that mindset of you're still a creator um as an actor you're still you're an artist and you are creating what you know the choices that you want to make for the character they're all a part of the creation process so i was yeah i was creating some music i did a i it was um i was part of a vocal ensemble <laughs> for um a year in covid and that was just kind of like yeah i'll just why not um, which I'm not, I'm not a musical normally person. I, I love music, but I'm not, I don't want to create music, but I just was like, I need to be sharp. I need, <laughs> I need to keep this muscle up. And it was just about working on the voice and just still feeling like I'm working some sort of muscle, you know, the instrument to perform. Um, so I was a part of a vocal ensemble. I was creating songs for that and, um, any sort of like, I was following a few Instagram pages about, you know, if there was like an idea and if there was funding behind it, any grants available, I was like, I was just really keeping my eye out. And it, it's kind of, it kind of gives you a chance to be like, oh, I've got a deadline, I have to do it. So I was, um, I applied for a few director mentorships because I wanted to further my skills in a different way. So I was, yeah, keeping my eye open to different avenues so that I could just expand and still feel like I was growing regardless of if I wasn't getting any work. Yeah, so I did, I did that. And yeah, I did, I did do a small film, which hasn't been released yet. And that was part of a, a grant as well. So I was just kind of keeping my eye, eye open to those things. Awesome. Thank you guys both for that insight. That's helpful for, I think, aspiring actors and I guess, honestly, filmmakers in general, even if, because you can take that and you can use that if you're a director, right? I'm sure that writing will help your directing in the same way, you know, it doesn't have to be applied to just an actor. So I, I think that our listeners will appreciate that. Speaking of recommendations and helping, you know, aspiring filmmakers and people who are interested in aspiring filmmakers, we like to ask all of our guests on this podcast, if there is an independent filmmaker that, or multiple independent filmmakers that you can share with us that maybe we haven't heard of that you'd like to shout out, shine a light on their work so that us and our audience can check out their work. Yeah, I think um, I'd, I'd uh, firstly recommend well, my partner, David Hoey. He's part of a film company called Lavender Films and yeah, he works with the cinema. It's a small team as well. Um, a cinematographer named Julian Patu and yeah they just really create some they're really based on storytelling and um, yeah they've done a few music videos but I think they're expanding beyond that as well as well as another um, video a film company called Video Head Co I think they're doing some crazy stuff in the Sydney scene um, at the moment but if I have any further that I think about that are even here in Melbourne that I know of, maybe I'll link 
because I can't think of any that are, those are the two that are coming to the forefront of my mind right now. Yeah, we definitely link them. If you if any come up afterwards, feel free. We'd love to share anyone we can. I uh, made a film, a short film with a, a guy that I met, uh, I think it was through Instagram um, recently. His name's Andrea Joshua Asnikar. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I never actually learned how to pronounce his last name. And yeah, he's got just this incredible, incredible talent. And I loved working with him so much. And he, he, he just um, hasn't actually come out yet, this short film. But yeah, it's, it's like, I think what we talked about with Glenn a little bit, it's just that like ability to, pro to produce what they envisioned, you know, with so, like seemingly such ease, which really impressed me. I also went to a screening of a, of a short or like proof of concept short film for a feature um, recently uh, directed by James Gorter. Uh, who is a director. I think he's from New Zealand originally, but he's living in Melbourne at the moment. And he, I was so impressed with, with what he was able to create. So I think I'm, I've got my fingers crossed for him. I hope he can get that funding for the feature. And I think either way, I think he's going to do great things. So that'd, that'd be my two. So sick. Thank you both for those recommendations. We always check them out. And a lot of times, you know, it's great that those recommendations turn into future guests, which is my favorite thing. So maybe we'll even reach out to some of them if they're willing to. Obviously, everyone's got busy schedules, but we will we will see about that. That's a little tease for our listeners, potentially. I know that we are getting very close to the end of the interview, and I don't want to take up any more of your time. I was just wondering if, real quick, we could tease, you guys both tease unreleased short films, right? Or, I'm sorry, Tamara, was yours a feature or a short? the one that I just created. It's a short little film that I made, but it's um, not really a story. It's just kind of about how I would envision 2047 because that was the concept and it's a two minute thing, but it's that's not a tease. Really. That's a good tease. That's see, that's all. That's all I wanted. That's perfect. That's 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 all I wanted. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I suppose that one, but it's not released yet. Mm. OK, it's not yet. Yeah, it's just two minutes. It's not. Yeah. It's not really a, anyway. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool to hear about. I like the concept, honestly. I, I'm very, yeah. very interested in that. What about you, Will? Do you have something? Yeah, Will. Um, yes, sure. Uh, I, 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 I'm so bad with when people ask me about like the details of a film I made or whatever it is. I'm so bad at giving like summaries. People are like, what's it about? And I'm like, um, just, just, uh, <laughs> it's like my answer every time, but I, I won't give you a tease, but definitely keep your eye on Andrea, um, Andrea Joshua Asnica, and he's created, not created, but he's he's borrowing from this kind of existing universe and everything's going to be, I think he's, he's making like four short films in the next six months or, so, or something. So if you keep your eye on him, you can follow him on Instagram and 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 I'm sure you'll see what he, what he puts out there. Yeah, thanks for that. I know we definitely will what's what's his um instagram username maybe so we can find him i will tell you thank you yeah because i know you're having trouble with the last name i'm yeah so i don't know i'm not even going to attempt to try to spell that <laughs> it's uh andrea dot joshua dot asnica so last name is spelled a-s-n-i-c-a-r perfect thank you so 
thank you guys so much for taking the time to be here today thank you tamara thank you will we really appreciate it and love getting the insight like i said dreams of paper and ink is something that we are both really excited for audiences to see because i want someone to talk to you about it like i said before i love this movie i love glenn's work in the past and now i'm going to be looking forward to both of your guys work as well dreams of paper and ink will be out premiering the screening is in about three weeks that the details to that will be in the podcast description i know all those details are on facebook if you follow the dreams of paper and ink page on facebook and i'm sure the instagram page also is updating that as well all of those links will be in the description are there any obviously you guys if you guys want your instagrams um linked in the descriptions we can link those as well but um do you guys want to shout out your social medias before you guys get out of here sure you can uh, follow me on instagram it's a william.savinus um and you know there's there's some other things up online but that's probably the most relevant yeah, Will does some amazing photography as well. It's it's killer. It's killer. So, yes. I've checked um, it out, actually. I've seen some of it. It's very cool. It's yeah. so good. And mine's just my name as well, Bailey on Instagram. Thank you both so much for having us. You made it so effortless just to talk to you. And thank you for your feedback and support, too. No, we yeah. really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much. So good. Yeah, thank you. That that means a lot for, for what we do, so... Thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know like middle of the day for you, but seriously, thank yeah. you for coming on. We had a blast. Oh, we yeah, had a blast. Guys, I want to do it again. You, you guys are great. <laughs> Next film for sure. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Like I said, we're going to be following along. So don't, uh, don't be surprised if you see us bothering you in the DMs about about your next project. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, careful saying that to Duncan because yeah, he will yeah, take I, you up on it. I will take you up on it. That's I've, I've been known to, to message <laughs> no, people. No, I, them, hey, you want to come back on? <laughs> if you're in my DMs, it means I've made another film, so that's a good thing. There we go. That'll be it'll be great. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. I really appreciate Thank it. You. Yep. Guys. No problem. Thanks, guys. There you have it, folks. That was our interview with. William and Tamara from Dreams of Paper and Ink. I know me and Gardner both said it a bunch during the interview, but seriously, thank you, thank you, thank you to both them and Glenn for facilitating this and for coming on, giving us their time, and giving us such great answers. As always, we love saying it, but seriously, all hits, no misses when it comes to our interviewees. They're all amazing. And this has been another one for the books. So, like I said earlier, I know you enjoyed it, so that was it. That was our interview with William and Tamara. Looking forward, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, we have a couple of upcoming episodes. We have a Monday miniseries episode coming out next Monday where we will be continuing our discussion of Nostalgia, Memories of Tomorrow. That's the new short film that we are working on here at GDT, so we're excited to talk to you about that. I know this week we're going to have another guest that's not me on it, so you'll be excited to hear someone else talk about the movie. Additionally, we also have a bonus episode coming out next week where we are discussing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, so our MCU fans will be excited to stick around for that. On top of all of that, we also have our full-length episode releasing next Friday where we are interviewing screenwriter Nick Asunto. So stay tuned for all of those future episodes. And if you've missed our back catalog of episodes, go check those out as well. In the meantime, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at GoodDataPod. 
and on Facebook at GDT Podcast. We're available there, and you can follow us there so you'll never miss out on a new episode. If you're worried about missing out on a new episode, though, why not subscribe to us? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. We're available everywhere, and we love getting new subscribers and five-star reviews. That's where you can check us out. That's where you can find our former episodes, as well as check out our new episodes. That's it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, and we will talk to you again on Monday. Thank you for listening, folks. As always, we love you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one.